Hello, everybody. This is Todd Underwood from SIFT, the voice of the food industry. And you're listening to Food Stories, the podcast, the show that highlights the industry that keeps 330 million people fed in the U.S. and tells the stories of the innovative people, companies, and organizations that keep the food flowing to our stores and restaurants. It's a program for people in the industry, as well as those who have interest in how food products are made and delivered with the highest quality and safety in mind. We would like to thank our sponsors who make this show and other programming possible. They are Jobs Ohio and the Ohio MEP. You can learn more about these impactful organizations in the links shared in the show description. Now, let's get to today's program. All right, and today we're joined by Maddie Koppel, the uh, food editor for the Toledo Blade. We're really excited to have this conversation with a semi-famous writer. So uh, <laughs> good afternoon, Maddie, how are you? I'm doing good, how are you? Great, I'm great, happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday to you. Well, Maddie, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and growing up and, and where you're from. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Maddie Koppel, I'm the food editor here at the Blade. And I grew up in Chillicothe, Ohio, which is about, I guess, three, three and a half hours south of here. So not from Toledo, but, you know, from Ohio. So I have a little bit of that Ohio background. Um, yeah, so I kind of just really got interested in writing kind of from, I would say, a pretty young age. I mean, in school, it was either like writing or math that I like really gravitated towards, kind of two polar opposites. Say, those, aren't, those aren't always connected. Right. So I, I used to really think I wanted to be an architect. And then I started taking like geometry and trigonometry. And I was like, that's not for me. <laughs> so I was like, what's something else I could do? And I've always just had such a keen interest in food. Like growing up, I mean, every day after school, I would come home and watch Food Network with my family. My grandma and I would always watch The Pioneer Woman. That was our show. Okay. Uh, you know, a classic. So I just always. What's that one? Tell me. I don't think I the watched Pioneer that. Woman. Okay. She, like Reed Drummond. Do you know her? Hmm. Okay. So she's one of the, she's the redhead Food Network star. Okay. Uh, but she had just does like, you know, cooks for her family on a ranch. And that's what my oh, grandma cool. would watch. Um, she has like a whole line of cookware at Walmart now. I don't know. But I'm sure you'd know her face if you saw her. Sure, but, you know, I'm obsessed with like Beat Bobby Flay and Ina Garten, oh, the sure. Contessa, like all the competition shows. And, you know, I had a lot of friends that wanted to be like lawyers and doctors and have all these pretty like typical career paths. And anytime I would try to explain to people what I really wanted to do, which was food writing, it was something I, oh, I've never heard of that. And, you know, how do you, how are you going to do that? And I honestly didn't have an answer for how I was going to do that. Like, I didn't know how to come from like a small town in Ohio and then go to write for papers or Food Network or Bon Appetit. I had no idea. I honestly didn't even know if it was an option for me. So but you kind of knew you wanted to write and you wanted to do something with food. Yes. And that's like all I really had. I was like, you know, pretty cool though. You I knew early on. Yeah. I, that's, I, I truly, since I wanted to be an architect in like middle school. And then when I got to high school, like it was always food writing and that's, I mean, it's not a big thing. It's not a big career. So it was like kind of hard to even find opportunities like that, especially being from Chillicothe, Ohio. So I went to college at Ohio state and I applied undecided so I didn't because I didn't know what major I wanted to do I I didn't know how to major in what I wanted to do but I knew schooling sure. was a good option at first and it was close to home but you know far enough away to be that I could live on campus so it felt like a good transition for myself um so really early on in my first semester 
after college, I met with so many different editors with that interest in writing. I met with like the journalism team and, you know, they thought, oh, maybe just general journalism is an option for you or maybe just communications in general. Um, and then I told people the food aspect and they were like, oh, food science is a good option, but I was never really a science person. Mm -hmm. And then I heard about agricultural communication up at Ohio State. And I was interested in that just because it seemed pretty much like the closest thing to what I was looking for. So I started taking intro classes there. And I mean, I just kind of fell in love with it. You know, I, I didn't really grow up on a farm or around too much agriculture, but I had some friends that were involved in like 4-H. Do you know what 4-H is? Oh, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, 4-H and like FFA, like involved in that. And I had a lot of friends that had their But own. you had not done that growing up so much, but you just no, were kind of I, peripherally familiar yeah. with it. Yeah. So I was briefly, but um, a lot of people in my major did growing up. So um, I kind of learned from them myself as well. So I just started taking the classes and it was a lot of like design writing, but to that food focus. So I really liked having that like agriculture sustainability background, which you'll see later on that that's kind of how I focus a lot of my stories. Because sure. one of the first questions they asked me at the Blade was, how are you going to tie in your major to these stories and kind of have a different twist. And I was like, I definitely want to talk about like sustainable agriculture and local produce and local, you know, farmers and chefs and things like that. Um, just because that's what I really have interest in. So I did a couple internships at Ohio State. Um, one I did in Omaha, Nebraska, but it was during the COVID era. So it was yeah, all that's virtual. True. So that's true. That's must been tough. Right. It was an interesting college experience, that's for sure. But um, I did some product sourcing and recipe development, you know, blog posting. And that's a lot of what I do here. Not product development very much, but I do do recipe testing quite a bit for my weekly stories. Yeah, I noticed um, in all your stories uh, that I saw anyways, you had a recipe at the end, which yes. is kind of cool. And yes. with my kids over the next couple of weeks, we're going to try a couple of those because my, <laughs> my my young, my oldest is um very interested in trying to cook and I'm uh -huh. trying to get her to, um, she's at that stage where she wants to experiment, but uh -huh. it's, let's try ranch dressing with chocolate. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, no, yeah. you have to get a cookbook. So right. yeah. So, we'll absolutely try them out. Cause yeah, I mean, growing up, like that's was one of my favorite things was like cooking for my family. And I, I awesome. loved just, you know, them allowing me to get in the kitchen and make something. You just felt so in control, you know, like yeah. you felt like, it, you know, help your family out and things. And I remember one time I was supposed to make lemon chicken and it called for like eight tablespoons of lemon um, juice and I put eight whole lemons in the recipe that one didn't turn out great but since then I've perfected not perfected but I've, there's nothing as failure just lessons learned right exactly yes <laughs> so that's really the story and you know once I was graduating um college last year I graduated in May of 2023 okay so um yeah just graduated from college last year and I was applying around this time actually last year I was applying for jobs and, you know, I was on LinkedIn job searching and I saw this position for the blade and it was food editor, you know, the description basically talk to local chefs, cook recipes, you know, get to talk to people in the industry. And I was like, this must be a scam. Like there, there cannot be <laughs> this perfect of a job opportunity, you know, pretty close to home. Okay. And I was looking at places in, you know, Chicago and New York and applying to Food Network and Bon Appetit. But a lot of those jobs call for like at least five years experience. And I just didn't have that being. Sure. And it's a tough thing right out of college. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, I applied for the job, heard back pretty quickly. And, you know, it all just fell into place. And 
it all happened really fast. So now I'm eight months in almost. So well, that's great. And we're glad to have you. And just for our audience to let you know, uh, we I met Maddie kind of uh, through she did a story with one of our colleagues because um, on alternative meats and insects. And maybe we might touch on that later. But yeah. um, I'm kind of curious, not when I, without giving too much about making this about me, I also wanted to be a bit of a writer when I was younger. Um, I went from wanting to be a novelist to being a copywriter and, but I never had the patience to be honest with you. So, um, but I'm just curious is that was quite a pretty big leap right from college to be the food editor because a blade is not a small paper. I mean, it's a, it's a very well-established, well-known paper. Were you, were you really happy? Was that a big, big surprise to go? I mean, without, you know, does that make sense? Like I'm, 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 it seems pretty awesome. I'm very happy for you. And now your writing is awesome, but were you, you. tell me a little bit about that. Like you applied and were you like, so I mean, being from Chillicothe, I obviously had heard of the blade. So I knew that it had this reputation. And I mean, I was just ecstatic when I, you know, even got an interview and, you know, talking to, I have an uncle that's actually from Toledo. So that did help a little bit. And he was, you know, telling me kind of about the history because he lived here for like 25 years before moving. And, you know, he just grew up around the blade and, you know, it's been such yeah. a long standing. I think it's like the longest standing business in Toledo. Might be, um, yeah. I mean, the blocks, I know. Um, don't quote me on that, but it, I think it is. Yeah, up there, no, no, it's so. been. Around. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I was just really ecstatic to be able to even get an interview or opportunity that way because I was just getting rejection after rejection from these sure. large I remember. papers and, Those you know. Days. Yes. And, you know, I have an older brother. He's 12 and a half years older than me. And he was telling me, you know, rejection is very typical for, you know, sometimes you won't get your first job after post-grad, you know, for six, six months to a year, you might be working part-time doing things like that. And I just knew as soon as I got the offer, I was like, I cannot say no, because uh, again, such a great paper, such a reputable, reputable paper, but um, I didn't know much about Toledo. I actually had, it was funny I had a friend um, who went to UT. She just graduated the same year as me. And like unrelated, she invited me to her formal. And it it actually ended up perfect timing because we were just reconnecting as friends, hadn't seen her in a while. And that was the same time I took the job. So a little nice way to segue into Toledo. Exactly. Because she's been here for four years. And so she gave me a nice little tour of the city and like I because I had no idea moving up here like where to look for like sure. apartments. you know I didn't know I really didn't know anybody up here I don't have family up here all my family's in Chillicothe now and you know so I, I really just went in blind to it but I took a leap of faith and I think it has really paid off for me I've I've really really enjoyed Toledo it's a really that's cool city so well, I'm that's happy. great too. was a little excitement too you know somewhere new oh yeah as, so a, as a writer it's like a fresh canvas so to speak I'll bet exactly because it's nice too because I feel like I didn't have too much bias going into this um because I didn't you know I'm from Ohio but nowhere close to here so I mean Columbus if I wrote in Columbus I feel like I would have definitely gravitate towards certain places maybe yeah. just like on not even recognizing it just because I'd been there for four years Understood. and I probably have all these like preconceived ideas of you know who to work with or things well and as someone I'm also from Ohio originally and lived in other places and been around Ohio I've lived in Cincinnati and, and Toledo and Dayton I think one mm-hmm. thing that's kind of cool about Ohio people don't realize is all the cities are kind of distinct I mean everyone yeah. it really is kind of Dayton is not like Columbus Toledo is not like Cincinnati and Cleveland right. is not like you know it, Toledo is very distinct than other places right. I mean it's 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 not it's not 
everywhere's a little different. Yeah, so, absolutely. And Toledo's so close to Michigan, so it's kind of different. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, well, we're really glad to have you. And I'm like I said, I'm I'm excited to to learn more about you. One thing I'm uh before we get into your stories and your perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, my my background professionally has been all over the place, but um, as somebody who's really into creating content now about food and doing podcasts and we're doing films and blogs and um, my, my last job, which was really influential on me was with design Mm -hmm. is I'm really interested in process and how you approach a task and writing. Like I said, was always something I enjoyed, but struggled Mm -hmm. with It's People think, I think it was Tom Clancy was one of my favorite writers when I was younger. He said it was one of the most painful things in the world, writing a novel, but what is, what is your process? Cause you, you, don't just get to take your time and write a book. You have to produce content on a schedule. You have to keep it fresh. What is your process for approaching a story? Right. I'm very curious without, you don't have to get into the minutia of it, but I'm just curious, what's your process yeah. and how do you do it? Yeah. So honestly, I think it really depends on the type of story I'm writing. So, I mean, every week I do have my Sunday food stories and it's really nice because in features, which is the department I'm in, which is more of like the lifestyle um, stories for the blade. So like, food, religion, art, music, that kind of stuff. We usually have, you know, a couple weeks, we really build out our own schedule for those stories. We can kind of, you know, our editor will give us topics or, or maybe a story, but for a lot of it, it's us kind of coming up with ideas. So that's really nice to kind of have a lot of time to really think of how you want to approach that story. And with that, I feel like what I really pride myself in is I love organization. Like I, I'm a little OCD myself. So I have like three separate planners going all at once. I have one on my phone. I have one like desktop one. And then I have one like everyday planner. And, you know, first, usually I'll either come up with an idea, whether that's based on the season, because that's a big thing with food is seasonality. So, you know, in the fall, I did a lot of stories on local crops and produce. I did like a pumpkin story. I did the farmer's market story. And um, same thing with, you know, the summer, a lot of festivals happen up here in the summer. So I knew that'd be like a big chunk of my summer months. So then from there, it was like finding sources that, you know, are unique and kind of different from previous years. So really with that, I kind of just really, I either have connections through people I've met up here and they kind of give me ideas of who I could talk to. Or honestly, sometimes I'll just Google, like when for my pumpkin patch story, I was like Googling local pumpkin farmers. And that kind of gave me an idea of who to talk to for that. So really it starts by just kind of figuring out what kind of story I want to focus on that week and giving myself some time to set up those interviews. And from there, you know, just really seeing how I can tie a recipe into these stories as well, because that's something that oh, I so that's part day. of it. You have to kind yeah. of, that's part of the process. Yeah. And, and I can get kind of creative with it, you know, actually coming up here um, in a few weeks, I'm doing a Super Bowl story um, for food, which is another, you know, thing that I yeah, have to, a big one. you know, really do. I did the same thing with like the Ohio state um, Michigan game. And mm-hmm. for the Ohio state Michigan game, I did like classic tailgating foods. And I talked to some people up in Michigan and I also talked to some people at Ohio state. So that was kind of something, and I'm doing something similar with the Super Bowl. That's cool. So, you know, it's sometimes I can do things like that, but then other times it's like, you know, really if like the pasta story I did, which is one of my favorites, which I was going to touch on later on too. But um, the pasta story I did was like, because we had an Italian bowl here in the summer. 
So I tied oh, that in there, but I, I also that. tied in like my personal experience from when I studied abroad in college. So, so do, you, I, do you, do you storyboard these out so you can connect the stories yeah. to like something like that? Okay. That's what I was curious. Yeah. Like, what are your process? Yeah. Do you have, so I, so you're like, not I just like doing a single story and then next story. You've actually got like a, cause that's what I try to do in my content too. I try to like have almost a map yeah, like yeah. of things out. Yeah. It's interesting. Yes. So I use a spreadsheet which is really helpful for me. I know a lot of people do it differently here, um, but I try to get pretty budgeted out pretty far. Yeah. So, cause with my food stories, I do have to curate these recipes about a couple weeks before. Sure. And with that, you know, I have to buy the ingredients. I, and sometimes I even like to talk to the sources before I do the recipes, just to see maybe if they have a recipe idea. Like if I'm covering a chef, profiling a chef and I want to cook, you know, a couple of their recipes, I'd like to get that interview set up pretty far in advance from that when yeah. that story is running. You have to imagine. You know, and so it's a lot of, yeah, like really just puzzling it in together to like really see, like I plan, like I'm already planned out through March for the most part. Good for and you. just to make sure if something falls through, I can, you know, work with that. And it definitely has been like a learning curve for sure coming into this because I don't have that I felt like I had that organizational piece. I always have had that. So I kind of expected to, you know, know I had to budget pretty far ahead. Because I mean, there's some people, like especially on the news side for the Blade, they write, you know, what they get assigned a story and publish it that same day. Yeah, but, it's a faster you know, Features is a lot different because we have, you know, we look ahead to see if there's a holiday coming up, if we, you know, there's a food event coming up, if there's, you know, restaurant weeks in late February. So we'll have to do something with that. So just like really planning to make sure you don't double book yourself for that week. Cause there's sure. some filler that I can kind of get creative with it. Like last week I put out a sourdough recipe, um, which I actually, I think that's coming out this Sunday. So I have a, my sourdough thing I've been working on for a while and, you know, that's coming out this weekend and that's something, you know, that was kind of a filler week. So right. it's just like really like I said, like a puzzle and it's, yeah. it's all interconnected it's all in other words. You know, yeah, I think sometimes people think writing it, is so. like, what's the next one? Next, the next one. But really, it's it's a, it is a process, and it's it's not just one yeah. thing yes. after the another. Um, last thing on the process, I promise. Uh, yeah. Do you have um because creativity is is a, again, I really enjoy ideation. It's one of my favorite things with our videos. I love storyboarding. Do you have like a a circle of like creatives you kind of bounce ideas off of? Do you do you have that or do you? Because I have a hard time by myself. So and especially yeah. you coming through college and COVID and stuff, that must have been a challenge. So do you have that? Do you have like a little group of people you can kind of sit yeah. down and bounce ideas off of? So I will say the person that I really look to the most for this is my coworker, Sarah, Sarah okay. Rady. She's our religion writer. She okay. has such good story ideas for food. She's always thinking of things. Um, so we always, you know, talk about it. And then my editor as well, will talk about it. But I also really feel like I get a lot of ideas from different trends that are going on, like with food kind of not just in Toledo, but kind of throughout the U.S. and things sure. too, like you know, things that are happening like on food TikTok or something, I, I can find some ideas. And I've even looked at some recipes from that too. But, um, you know, if I come up with a couple ideas, I'll run them by some people just to see like, because sometimes when you're closed off in your own little box, you might be thinking on, on something for a while and think about it too hard, think about it too much. But when you get a fresh eye, it's really nice to like confirm that that is a good idea. Oh, sure. That is something because like me and Sarah bounce back and forth a lot on like, would someone actually want to read this or is it just something that we think is interesting, you know? Yeah, so, I get it. You need, you need that kind of people. like, 
is, am I crazy or is this a good idea kind of thing? Yeah, right. I <laughs> so I would say like, it's been really helpful because Sarah and I are similar ages too. So it's, it's helpful kind of going to someone that kind of maybe understands like different topics that maybe she even sure. sees on her social media or, you know, something like that too. Um, and she's been in Toledo for over a year now. So she kind of has, has a pretty good idea and some good connections as well. So, and it's really nice, like working with so many experienced people, because if I'm lost on a source for something, I mean, everybody has contacts in this newsroom. So it's really, yeah. really nice. That's nice too. Just, sure. You know, well, very cool. Well, you've got a great yeah. process. Sounds like you've really settled in and Toledo is a in Northwest Ohio. Generally, I think a lot of people don't realize how much food processing restaurants, there's so much here, mm -hmm. like even me having been gone yeah. for so long. And then I've not been in the, I mean, I, I worked in restaurants as growing up. That was sort of my job, a waiter, bus, bus boy, all that. But you don't realize how much is here until you actually get in the industry. And you're like, what? They make that there? That's Absolutely. there, you know, but anyways, well, when, when we, we got to meet a couple of weeks ago and um, you sent me some of your stories and I was going through them, I noticed that you did a story on probably one of, we have a member consortium and pro I love all our members, so I don't want to make, make anybody mad, but yes, one of my favorite members that we get to go out to every year because we have a member appreciation out there. And I, I've actually done a video story on them during COVID is a place called Chef's Garden. And also mm -hmm. they have the Culinary Vegetable Institute out there. And it is right. one of the most beautiful places. I, I always say, I think it's Milan, but I always say Milan, Ohio. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your story on them and maybe fill our audience yeah. in a little bit. You, you're the journalist. Tell us a little bit about that story and, and what you wrote and and um, Lee Jones, Farmer Lee Jones. It's just a, such yeah. a cool place. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. So this was back in the fall and I definitely wanted to do something on something, a topic that's seasonal. And I was kind of bouncing around ideas through the newsroom. And I also had um, the former food editor, Mary Bill Yu. She's been really great giving me lots of contacts that she had. So she had given me their contact. And I actually first reached out to them on a health story because I still, I do those as well. I kind of do random topic stories all the time <laughs> at the blade, but um, you know, she, the um, health contact I was talking to was there. Um, I think they call her the doc the doctor of pharmacy, but they spell it F-A-R-M, um, which is a little punny, yeah. but um, I was talking to her and then Along she was a good pun. Right. And then she was telling me about some of their upcoming events and things and, you know, how I should definitely get in contact with Lee. And they also have a beautiful website, which is just something that, you know, really grabs your eye for when yeah. you're kind of doing, I feel like when I'm like looking for sources and I'm someone that like is a very visual learner, visual person. So I'm a sucker for branding, sucker for packaging. And I was like, this place is very, very interesting. And it's intrigues it's, me. It's, it's pretty so awesome. So I had this idea to do a um, like regenerative farming piece. So um, I talked to the chef's garden along with um, Shelly and Alan Dean farms as well, which is I think in Bryan, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, And so I talked to both of them for this kind of collect like collective collaborative piece on like really what regenerative farming is and how that's kind of different from organic farming just to give like audiences a kind of a good clear view on that um so I really just talked with Lee and Bob and everyone out there I went to a um, event they had uh the Roots conference I went to that back in the yeah. fall and you know talked with them about all that they do and their story is just incredible isn't it from, awesome yeah 
how they started, you know, I mean, this has been in their family for years and years and, you know, how they used to go to farmer's markets and, you know, cover their license plate and sell to different, you know, like states and everything. And then how they started specifically growing for chefs from meeting, you know, someone at the farmer's market and everything is just, it's such an incredible thing. And to see how widespread that they are, I mean, and they're just like the most down to earth people that you are ever meet and, and even though he knows like, that they're here you know what i mean not, i mean people no. do the famous people but when i went out there the first time they're like oh yeah you know the fr- chefs or the french laundry chefs come in here oh, yeah. and train and chef yeah. jamie i don't know if you met chef jamie when you're out oh, there yeah. i mean they're just oh and, yeah. and they've got an airbnb out there it's just yeah. beautiful I so. mean, it's just beautiful and they are like i have so much like respect for them because i come from like a line of family businesses as well And it's been in my family since like the late 1800s. And I just know from like watching my dad work there his entire life since he was like 12 years old, like how much of a a hustle it is to, you know, do this. And it's a commitment. It's not you go into work nine to five. It's like, it's your life. And I mean, they just are the most, like the kindest, most knowledgeable people when it comes to this. And I mean, I was fangirling because I've seen him on Iron Chef as a judge. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is. Oh, that's right. I'd heard he was amazing. on Iron Chef. I was like, I can't. And he's just, you know, with his little overalls and his his red bow tie. I mean, he's just the kindest man. He's the nicest man. So, yeah. If you get a chance, we did a video with them through COVID, oh, yeah. believe it or not, um, called Essential, where we talked about people who had to pivot because they really had. Right. Yeah. All the restaurants shut down and they, he's obviously built, they're built to tell their story, but we did, they're one of the three companies we highlighted without pitching our stuff, but they, you know, their story, how good it is. It's not hard to tell a good story if their story is good, but that's how I really got to know them. And then, yeah, they're just amazing. So that was really cool to see that you, you know, we're our kind of Venn diagram of our work that um, it's amazing. Like all the people that I end up meeting that have that connection with them because they just help everybody and that's yeah. what they're going to do and they're just like you said they're just good people you go out they're there and, you can and tell did, did they cook for you oh my goodness yeah yes. yeah okay yeah i, no, I you're gonna make everybody in our audience dad. jealous <laughs> oh my dad is like dying to go out there my dad is like he was like, I'll drive yeah. up on night just to go meet Farmer Lee. And I, I've got like, some family who I love very much, but they're from mm-hmm. right outside DC and you know they're a little, you know. Uh-huh. The, the food scene and i'm like if they ever come to town i'm gonna be like let's go out there and we'll let's go there you. Let's, yeah so we'll show you what they're thinking about well on yeah, that, that note, let's let's pivot a little bit um yeah. again um one thing i don't know if you how, we've talked about how familiar you are with sif but one thing one of the one of our things we do we have a thing out in um bowling green called the knock and we help small small food entrepreneurs kind of start they we've got a food process a small food processing plan out there for and a commercial kitchen um so one of the things I've gotten to do a lot of is get to go to farmer's markets because that's where a lot of our small entrepreneurs go and sell their products. That's a very, that's an entry level point for a lot of food entrepreneurs. And I saw you did a cool story on farmer's mm-hmm. markets, maybe more than one, in fact. Yeah. Um, and since you aren't from the area originally, and I'm from the area, but I'm back from a long time being gone. I'd like to talk a little bit about farmer's markets in the area uh, for our audience. Would you mind kind of giving us the airplane view of all the farmers markets in the area, which is kind of without, you know, without putting anybody down, what's your favorite for certain things or, you know, what would you recommend for certain things? Tell us a little bit about the farmers. I'm from Perrysburg. So I know I've been to the Perrysburg one quite a bit, but um, tell us what, 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 give us the layout, the the farmers market scene in Northwest Ohio. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest. I haven't been to all of them, um, which 
which um, I wish I had been, but there's always much to look forward to in the, you know, this year. Um, so coming up here, I was blown away by the originally like the downtown farmer's market, um, the Toledo's farmer's market, because I was just like shocked that there were that many people in, you know, right in the downtown area, because I coming from Chiller Coffee, you know, we do have a farmer's market, but it's nothing like that. And even Columbus, I was impressed by the size compared to Columbus farmer's markets as well. I mean, they, you know, are neck and neck with how many people are there. And I love going there um, for the produce. That's one of the things that I think there is just so much of. Um, but they also have really unique items as well, like jewelry, candles, um, like customizable, like um, headbands and things, you know, just like much, a lot of random kind of niche stuff. And there's this one um, vendor that does like flowers out of their truck, which I think is really fun. And you can like build your own bouquets. Um, I got my dad some fudge from there. That's like his, he was raving about the fudge. Um, and I also love the, I think it's the all crumbs bakery um, bread is sold there. I just call him the bread guy because he doesn't have like a sign up, but everyone, I can guarantee if you go to the Toledo farmer's market, you know who I'm talking about. Cause there's a line you know, every time all the way circling around. I mean, waiting for this guy, he sells bread out of his Jeep and it's like focaccia and um, like crusty Italian loaves and sourdough, you know? Oh, and like those all really the popular, stuff. the pretzels that everyone loves here, like the pretzel croissants. So I'm pretty sure it's all crumbs, but um, I love going there. I go almost every Saturday in um, the summer. I went almost every Saturday with some friends and got lots of fresh produce and really beautiful tomatoes. But um, the Perrysburg Farmer's Market, I went out to in the fall as well. And I just kind of loved how it was like throughout their downtown. Like I just loved that it was like lined up with like different businesses as well. Um, and that nice strip, which was like very easy to navigate, I feel like. Yeah. And also, it's a little, I, I like it, but the food truck. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say the food trucks are something. I know the downtown Toledo's one has food trucks too, but I just liked how they were in this like nice green space where you could kind of, it wasn't very confusing to navigate. You can just hop around. So I really loved that, um, that aspect of it. And I feel like I went there a little more for like, less like i they didn't have a lot of produce is what say I that's to say it's a little less farmy of a farmer's market it's right. more like more yes. like crafts and and like i yes. said a lot of our knock tenants uh the people who uh -huh. use there's a lot more of that there like you know yeah. small batch processed foods yes. uh, like our angry irishman and yes. and people make hot sauces and barbecue sauce so if you're looking for that kind of yeah, stuff that's kind of yeah. a lot of that kind of fun stuff mm -hmm. there so yeah. And I know there's also like the Westgate farmer's market, which is very, very I've been to that one. I grew up in that. I haven't been. I know it's on Wednesdays or at least it was last year. And I, I went, wanted to go to that one, but I always got off work at like five and I was like, can't, it's can't ever make yeah. it really. Um, and I know there's the Sylvania one that I hadn't been to the Bowling Green farmer's market that I Bowling had. Green's good that they've okay. got a lot of good fruit. And then yeah. I went out to the Sylvania one. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. I'm, it's on a little lake. It's really beautiful. Oh, that's really beautiful. It's yeah, that's really was... beautiful. We went to that last okay. year to do a film, actually. Okay. Yeah. That's really nice. So we'll have to yeah. get down to the Toledo one. That sounds really kind oh, of. Oh, have nice you not one. been? No. Like we also we moved back to Toledo area like just in like just in time for COVID too. Yeah. So it was kind of like I know it's been like a few yeah. years, but it's hard. Like we didn't get out yeah. a lot for those two yeah. years. And then you got kids. Right. So we we've been trying to get out more and more. Right. Um well, we'll move on because I don't I don't want to respect your time. I know you're a busy writer. Yeah. Um, we do a couple more topics I want to cover. Uh -huh. um, you know, one thing that, you know, I generally talk, I told you, I generally talk to food, 
people in food technology, food processors, um, things like that. So you're this is kind of a unique interview for me. And since it's unique, I want to kind of get some unique perspectives if I can draw them out of you. Um, one, you aren't from the area originally. Two, you're, you're, I, I don't generally get to talk to someone as young as you. And I, I say that with utmost respect. So, and you are literally coming here to tell stories and give perspectives. So I would like to hear from you in your year here. What are some of the biggest surprises covering this area, the Northwest Ohio, not just Toledo, but the region in general right. from a food perspective? And I don't mean just restaurants or it could be anything just from a food and agriculture type perspective. What have been really some things that you did not know or were surprised to learn coming to this area? Right. So I know we touched on this, but again, like I just, I, I came to the area and really blind didn't know anything which I have found to really like I've come to love that because it gives me like just the chance to talk to everybody because I don't know anyone like I do now but I didn't know anyone so all I was doing at first was making connections and making networks and that was the first thing that I really recognized up here in this space it doesn't feel like a very com competitive atmosphere in the food industry it feels like it's a very um like a nice community you know everyone's trying to help one another out you know if I talk to someone for a source and they don't think they're the right person for it. They'll refer me to someone that, you know, they know in the industry that'd be better. So I feel like a lot of the places up here just want to help each other out um, and really support one another. And I think that goes with how many events that they host together too, like the restaurant week, the coffee quest, and, you know, all the, like the downtown festivals and things, everyone's just trying to like, you know, boost each other up in this industry. That's and nice I, and I find like maybe in like larger cities, it seems a little bit more competitive. Like Columbus didn't, you know, Columbus did have events like this, but it, it didn't feel like that sense of community. It it feels similar to like my hometown of Chillicothe in the sense that everyone's connected in that kind of regard. And I feel like that goes the fact that I, I think this is a rumor. I'm not sure how true this is, but that Toledo has like the most restaurants per square capita. In, I've like, heard the country. that. I've yeah, heard, like I don't I've know if that's I don't know if that's one of those urban myths or I, not. Right. And I've, I've heard like, that my whole life. I've heard that and I've heard we're like yeah. the number one test market for restaurants yeah. and things yeah. like that there's, too. There's a test kitchen in, in um bowling green. There's a Taco Bell test kitchen there. So apparently that Taco Bell is very, very good. Okay. I cannot confirm, but I am planning to go very soon. Well, I, I can't say that I, I wouldn't deny that I, I I partake a lot of Taco Bell in my life. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Um, which actually that's funny because I'm I'm hoping to do like a fast food story coming mm -hmm. up. And I think that'd be cool to like, you know, talk to them as a source because we do have so many, you know, test kitchens in the area. So that actually gave me an idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Got something out. You got something out joining my podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I didn't really re realize how diverse like Northeast Ohio is. Northwest. North, sorry. Yeah. Northwest. <laughs> we, we get very sensitive about that here. So I, know, be I know. We're not I Cleveland. You're not. And I, you know, I've never been to Cleveland, so I can't even speak on yeah, that. That might get your points with some people. Around I know it really might, but I didn't realize like how diverse the area was and like how much of a range of different restaurants you could find in like the same, like different strip. And, you know, there's just so many family locally owned places in this. Yeah, there really place. are. And like, and things are opening all the time up here. And I didn't know if I should expect that. Cause I knew coming up here, it was going to be smaller than Columbus, bigger than Chillicothe, but Chillicothe has like less than a handful of locally owned restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's just not something they thrive off of down there. I mean, I think we, we truly have like 
I'm sure we have more, but like the places that people really frequent in our downtown areas, there's like three or four spaces that Just people a few, yeah. go to. So I didn't, I thought, why would they need a food editor in this area? There cannot be that many. But there are, even, even have, growing up, even growing up here when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and I'm 50. So I grew up uh, in the 90s, 80s and 90s. There was a lot of ethnic food here. You know, you yeah, would think, yeah. oh, you know, compared to big... Ohio, it's kind of, you know, white bread, but there was, I grew up, you know, a lot of ethnic Lebanese, uh, Mediterranean, you know, and now it's even more so than it was, but I think that people don't, there was quite a mixture of of different kinds of, always was even growing up and more so now. So people don't realize that. So I I know what you mean. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't even, I truly, like I knew Ohio agriculture and Michigan agriculture was something that's huge. And I didn't, but I didn't realize like how many places in the area really made that effort to source locally. It is a huge thing in this area to try to source locally as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen that like be like Big a time. thing for everyone, like no matter like how upscale or how, you know, mm-hmm. casual dining you are. I feel like everybody is just trying to, again, like that goes with like supporting each other and supporting locally. And that's actually on the processing side too. I know you haven't done as many stories right. on the processing side, but like, um, one of the companies that we started that's one of our better success stories. I don't know if you've ever heard of Willie Salsa, um, but they're one of the yes, they're one of the biggest uh, fresh salsa companies now in the country, and they're awesome. If you ever get a chance to interview them, they actually produce now out by the airport. And honest, I don't just say this; they're the only salsa my kids will eat. But they they did okay during yeah. COVID because they one they're just good people and they take care of the people who who. Um, you know, they took care of their suppliers. They always did. So, but they were local. So when COVID came and everyone else couldn't get their stuff, they were able to keep their supply going. So, and you do hear a lot of stories. There's Deli Fratelli out in um, Pemberville. I mean, there's a lot. I, it is so true about that in Ohio. Like, it's, and it's nice to hear that confirmed from somebody from the outside. And I'll be honest, some of those people who left Ohio for a long time, like, can't wait to get out of here kind of thing. And now I'm back. I think we talked about this in our first conversation that like, it, it really, I'm like one of those prodigal sons I returned and you do really, I'm not just saying it, it is a nice place. So it's kind of cool it to hear, hear you say all that stuff. I don't think it's yeah. just, just, you know, the, the tourist pitch kind of thing. Yes. Um, yes. Well, again, I, I don't mean to take, it's only supposed to go like 30 minutes. I think we're a little over, but I got two more quick questions. And I will, okay. Um, okay. You, um, what's your favorite story you've covered? If you have one, Okay. do you have one? Other than doing this podcast, of course, which I'm right. sure this is, is this is clearly my favorite, but I, I feel like looking back, I've, I've, it's kind of hard to keep up with it, but that's got, I have a spreadsheet to keep okay. all my stories. Well, you can always, we can always come back for round two later. If you can't think of one, it's no, there's no, well, I really did love my pasta story that I did um, because I did get to touch on my time that I studied abroad under a food. Oh, yeah, we didn't get to touch Italy. on that. I'm sorry. We were but no, that's, it. that's like, that's why I love that story because sometimes like it's kind of encouraged to really not write in like a first person thing in most like Sunday stories, I guess. Um, just typically throughout journalism, it's kind of weird to read like that, I think. But mm-hmm. sometimes if it works, you know, you can do things. When like it that. works, it works kind of thing. When it works, it works. And I mean, some people have columns here that they do write like personal like opinions and things, which um, that kind of felt like that, which was really nice to, and it felt so easy to write because I was just, you know, really just speaking from the heart with that one. And I, I love doing profiles on people, which is um like Ella Lynn Dudek. She oh, is yeah. from the area. I just did a profile on her. 
and it's not just a fun story um just kind of hearing about her tour yeah on like as a celebrity chef and of course the chef's garden um dean farm story i really love to do um just because that really tied back to my major and one of my other like favorites that i did was definitely not like a localized story um i worked with sam way who is one of my favorite food influencers and I got to do a profile on him and feature his new cookbook. So I got to talk with him and I was trying so hard not to fangirl because he was one of my favorites. I mean, he kind of blew up during COVID. So I mean, okay. he has a million followers on That's social media big. and stuff and he's huge. And it was so cool to, you know, be able to talk with him on, you know, his journey because he had such a um, like non-traditional way of getting into this industry he's not like trained or you know he is all self-taught so I just like talking with people and getting to write about cool things that they're that's like my favorite thing you're in the do. perfect place yeah the perfect position I should say I'm yeah sorry. and testing the recipes is always so much fun too for these stories because you know being here now eight months I I've found some pretty good friends in the area and I live alone so it's just me and my cat and the recipes I test for these stories they make so much food so now I've been having weekly dinner parties and inviting oh, the awesome. her, which is really fun to get to you know talk about my stories and also eat the food that goes with it and it's just yeah it's really a good time so well that's that sounds awesome well yeah. i'll tell you what i think that's probably a good place to end it okay. um i just want to say we are we're very happy to have you join us today i'm so happy that we have you in the area to cover this uh, we are looking forward to reading your stories for many years to come and hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast when we yeah. are even bigger and we have more things to talk about. Okay. But um, we really appreciate your time. And I will be checking out your, when's your next story? Is, you said this coming Sunday? My next Sunday? story is Sunday. Yes. Okay. I actually did have a story come out today as well, like a daily story. Oh, on. Pitch it if you want. Pitch okay. It. Yeah. It's the opening of the Golden Hind Wine Bar in the um, Ostrich Town, which is, is it the Vistula District or the Vistula um, neighborhood? I don't want to be saying, is it Vistula? I think it's Vistula. Vistula. I'm not sure. Um, but it's in that district. District. Oh, they just. And it's a wine and pastry. Oh, cool. The um, daily story on that. So, and then Sunday, my uh, sourdough story is coming out with some recipes. Awesome. And in your column, because this may not go live, actually, now that I think about it till next week. Um, but okay. your column comes out every Sunday. Is it, is yes. You have a weekly yes. column on my Sundays column comes on the Toledo out Every Sunday. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing and following you every Sunday for, awesome. for many, many years to come. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you, Todd. All right. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. You have been listening to Food Stories, the podcast, a production of SIFT. We appreciate your support. If you have any food processing stories you would like to share, reach out to us at info at siftinnovation.org. And be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon, telling more of these fascinating and important stories. Until then, stay well and stay fed.